Do you like movies, television about comic books, and comic books themselves? Then you definitely need to listen to Thinking Outside the Long Box with Juan, John, and Gabe. Available now on iTunes, Stitcher, and your local computer monitor. Hey guys, this is Enrica Jang with Red Stylo Media, and you are listening to Adrian King and Adrian Has Issues. Hey guys, welcome to Adrian Has Issues. I'm Adrian. I have a new guest and also a returning guest. My returning guest is James Emmett. If you listen to my episode based in Special Edition NYC, I talked to James about his book, The Committee, which he's doing for Wayward Raven Media. Definitely check that one out. But he's also the creative coordinator of a new comic company, 451 Media, which was co-founded by none other than Michael Bay himself, which (laughs) that's pretty excellent. But they debuted their line of books at New York Comic Con 2015. And my new guest is the director of new media and innovation for 451 Media, Stephen Francis. So, James, Stephen, welcome to the show, guys. How's everybody doing? Thank you. Doing great. Thanks for having us. Anytime. Like, I was so glad that we were able to get this together because I know we played a little bit of email tag, but <laughs> thankfully it worked out for everybody. No, I'm glad, the beast, right? I'm glad we could set it up. Now, I had heard little rumblings about this before it was unveiled, but I'm not going to lie. Like, I was kind of caught up by surprise. So, of course, once it was unveiled at uh, New York Comic Con, it sort of really blew up. And, of course, you're getting coverage from like Variety and so many other publications. So, how are you two end up getting involved in a company? Well, actually, the the company came to inception about uh, two years ago. It was co-founded by a pretty interesting group of people, obviously, Michael, you mentioned. But two of the other co-founders, guys named John and Anthony Gentili, they're two identical twins. Uh, They run the New York office here. And their background is, is really interesting. They're very, very prolific people. They've created many. They started as illustrators drawing movie posters for studios as teenagers. And then got into um, toys and merchandising. So they created Sky Dancers, if you remember. They did the Micronauts uh, toy line animated series. Oh, I remember Sky Dancers <laughs> and the Micronauts. That was really awesome. <laughs> tons of tons of stuff that, that you would recognize. Created over 40 children's entertainment brands. Directed many hours of television and and are just really smart, creative guys. The other thing that they did was a really cool piece of technology called the Power Glove. Wait, you're talking about the Nintendo Power Glove? <laughs> yeah, they're the creators of the Power Glove. I saw that in the uh, the press info that I got, but I'm thinking Power Glove. Like, no, that can't be the Power Glove. Or that's wow, that's so amazing. <laughs> yeah, so legit. It's pretty pretty <laughs> awesome. So with with everything that they did from Micronauts to Visionaries, Sky Dancers. They're creatives at, at heart, huge fans of sci-fi, horror, comics, all that stuff. But they were always really into technology. And all of their toys always had a re- really unique uh, technology component to it. Right. Like Visionaries, they did like um, developed a proprietary printed hologram technology with Kodak. And then 
riding kind of off the success of that, they ended up partnering with, I think it was Mattel first initially who helped them develop the concept for the Power Glove, which, believe it or not, was actually initially a full, um, like it came with a headset as well. Really? The glove was something that later spun off, but they actually basically developed like what's now Oculus Rift pretty much for gaming in 1986. Years ago, the Power Glove is, is something sort of like this sort of cult favorite among gamers, especially retro gamers. And now, of course, VR is very big. Of course, uh, Sony and Microsoft and, you know, there's the Oculus Rift and so many companies are now getting into this. And it's funny. And a lot of that stuff that we sort of thought was maybe a little bit, I guess, kitschy is now, of course, becoming mainstream and uh, much faster than we ever thought. Yeah, the technology is, is definitely catching up. I mean, we do have plans to get into the the VR world. And as you've probably seen online, we do a lot of complimentary content that goes along with our books. And we're, you know, we've already started pre-production on, on actually a virtual reality 360 video element that we're going to be releasing for one of our books. Very awesome. So, yeah, really, really interesting guys. Um, they connected uh, with Mike a couple of years prior and our other partner, Doug Noons. And we knew we wanted to get into the, the comic world, but we knew that we needed something unique and different, which is why you see a lot of the digital content that comes with all of our books, as well as the touch code technology, which are the cards that come within our book. You visit our website, you hold that card to your phone, and it gives you access to all types of additional content with the books. You have a couple of books here as a start. There is, let's say, Bad Moon Rising, Ex Mortis self-storage, six, and sunflower. Now, how did you guys go about deciding which stories are we going to launch this brand with? Well, I think a big part of that was just looking at the the relationships we had and the writers that our respective partners have, have worked with in the past and the stories that they had. You know, one of the great things about comics is screenwriters, traditionally ones who have a lengthy experience in Hollywood, are kind of trained to write with a budget in mind. They're thinking, how realistic is it that this movie can be made? And the great part about comics is you don't have any of those constraints. So it was a really exciting opportunity for some people who never had the op- the ability or the, the opportunity to to write in, in comics. And, and we approached some of those screenwriters, guys like George Pelicanos, the writer and producer of The Wire, who did six, um, who were just really excited about the idea of creating in, in a new format. Yeah, I'm looking at the list, okay, and you have uh, Mark Malik, who did Black Mass, and Clay McLeod Chapman, and that's a pretty impressive pedigree of creators to begin with. So, I did notice, though, that there is a definite side of, like, I guess what you would call a supernatural element to a lot of these books. Like, they're not your typical superhero stories that you see from, let's say, like a DC or Marvel. Like, they're thrillers that just happen to be told in a comic book medium. Was that the idea going into then sort of separate content-wise from your standard superhero storytelling, or was this strictly from the minds of the critters themselves? I think it's a little column A, a little column B. It helps differentiate us from, say, what's already out there, especially competing against such big companies as Marvel and DC, but it also gives us sort of our own voice. And all the, the writers came with these sort of properties that they already had established ideas for. So it was like, you know, a melding of both worlds a little bit. You don't necessarily want to compete or try to, you know, <laughs> come up against Marvel or DC when it comes to superheroes. So it's safer almost to just establish your own world, your own universes and go from there. 
even in the case of being non-traditional in terms of storytelling, but they're definitely, I don't want to say mature, because that sometimes has a very weird connotation, but this is definitely geared towards, like, an older reader, because having, you know, read through, like, the first set of titles, uh, it's, it's some pretty heavy stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, I think that comes from the writer's background, too. I, um, You know, I think that we're not trying to censor anyone. I mean, luckily, comic books don't really have to answer to anybody, essentially. As long as we say, okay, these are for mature audiences, quote unquote, then we're, you know, not giving them out to eight year olds. <laughs> so that's, you know, that I think is probably the biggest, you know, the biggest part. So, James, I wanted to ask you uh, before your title is creative coordinator for 451. For those who may not know, what exactly does that title entail? Um, I do everything. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so title is a huge understatement. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I, I handle a lot of the creative stuff that comes in-house and put together the books that go to print and just make sure everything looks good. I'm sort of like the final eyes on the books before they go to the printer. I help out with any of the comic book sort of background and information and things like that because I come from a world of comic books. So um, I sort of help out, I guess, on that. And yeah, I mean, we're making a tremendous amount of stuff here between not only the actual books themselves, all the relative issues, but also all the digital content that we produce. We have a slew of animators that, that are in-house as well. So, you know, between the writers, the pencilers, the inkers, the colorists, the printers, the, the animators, James is kind of the glue in between all of that that makes sure the assets you know, are, are, are where they need to be and also making sure that the story is being told in the best way possible across all those mediums. That's why I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, but that's very... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, man, because, I mean, you have your other projects going on and then to, to handle this, and I'd imagine... And I know we touched on this a little bit when we talked the first time, because um, I'd imagine your caffeine addiction, what it was when I talked to you last time, was probably even heavier now. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm, <laughs> I'm working on a lot of things at the moment. So, I'm, you know, I'm a little sleep deprived, but I love it. I love everything I'm working on. So I'm sort of like running on adrenaline and happiness. Oh, that's good. Right? And coffee. Lots and lots of coffee. Let's not forget. <laughs> <laughs> now, but with the emphasis on digital content now, I guess there's still that push of having physical media. And is there any sort of challenge in getting this work out that, okay, do you see that maybe you need both sides of that? Or will the digital side then start to take over? Because I know one of the biggest topics in the last couple of years is, of course, digital media. And there's a little bit of that back and forth as to its place. And will that ever officially replace you know, true print media? Well, you know, we, we spent a, a long time, like I said, I mean, it's company's inception is about it's probably a little over two years, almost two and a half years at this point. <clears throat> and we only released our first book in October. October. That time period was really figuring out what the final medium was going to be because we did know that we wanted to have a very modern approach to comics. Uh, so we experimented with tons of formats, you know, first thinking potentially all digital, thinking about an app that was touch activated. And after kind of going down, running the gamut on all these different potential options, we really came to the conclusion that at least for a new publisher, it's so important to have that physical book because we all agree it's the best way to consume the medium. Right. But for the influential readers, if you're trying to in introduce a new story, 
so much of that discovery process still happens at their local comic book shop. So we knew we just needed to have a presence in stores because that's ultimately where the tastemakers, you know, are, are getting their content from. But that being said, we not only want the ability to get our story out there to as many people as possible with digital content, we also want the ability for our readers to get even further into the worlds that we're creating. And we do that by providing content in the places they already are. So we have a really robust YouTube channel, a big Facebook strategy, a big Instagram strategy, so that that story, that world takes on its own life outside of the pages and, and into your regular world as well. I think it's nice to service a, a community that's sort of used to consuming comic books a certain way. And, you know, for the foreseeable future, it seems to be that people still like to have that comic book, that tactile experience of going to a store and buying the comic. And it's an easy way to sort of get a new audience on board. It's really hard, I think, to throw things into the Internet, which is just a, a lot of a lot of content out there and compete with that overwhelming mass. So I think it was a good way to sort of get to the audience that we want to get to. This is actually very important that you mentioned that because the one thing I noticed what happens with a lot of larger companies and and this isn't something, of course, I heard from any sort of article, but just even from talking from friends of mine is the idea that with certain with the larger companies, there is that I guess what they call that that glut of content where you have so many titles and you have so many plates spinning, so to speak, where then I guess the brand sort of becomes muddied a little bit. And I see here, at least as far as your launch titles, you have a very select few. Now, is that something that you thought of coming in of saying, okay, we have these select few titles that we're going to tell these stories first, as opposed to then, you know, maybe branching out? Or is it just always the idea coming in? Well, I think, that, you know, to be transparent, a lot of it was just came down to resources initially. You know, we're a small company. This was kind of what we had the bandwidth for, at least for launch. We do plan to definitely grow, you know, and start releasing titles more regularly and more frequently. We've got, you know, a couple queued up for 2016 already. So, you know, I think, you know, our plan is to be a strong, independent publisher that's releasing content on a regular basis, but but nothing, you know, we're not going to dump like 50 bucks out at once. Yeah, right? we're not. Yeah. I mean, Marvel, I mean, I think that is 50, 45 to 50 books a month or something ridiculous. So I don't think we're ever, or I don't want to say that. I don't think we're at the moment going to reach that. Yeah. <laughs> Grow. But in a way that I think that works at your advantage, because again, wow, this is going to sound like I'm really dumping on them, but it's, I'm only just using it as an example where it's like, I'm only like five minutes away from my local comic shop. And when let's say Marvel announced that they have their new line of books coming out, they're kind of coming out at such a, a rapid pace. I go to my store and there's so many new books. Of course, you want to read them all. But then one thing you have to realize is, I mean, a lot of people are on budgets and especially with so many other things that occupy time and money. It's hard to read, let's say, 50 books at a clip. Yeah. So then I, one thing I do like about, the, you know, an independent publisher such as yourself is, yes, obviously you want to have more content out there, but having a core set of books first and making sure those are really strong titles in a way I think is what really helps out an independent publisher. And while it may be brand simply out of necessity, that's something I think overall will make people a little bit, I guess, less hesitant to pick it up because they're not having to dive in into such a large pool of content. Yeah. And I think it also helps that like all of the titles are limited monthly series. Like you will have a complete story once you reach the end and you can pick up all the new books that are coming out from us that all will be 
self-contained stories that tell a complete narrative. And I think that's really strong and not um, done a lot. I mean, if anything is super successful, maybe the story will continue, but that's sort of the game plan at the moment. Right, and I know I'm going back to Wayward a little bit. I know that I love it. I love that they have that slogan "Dead is dead." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like you're not going to necessarily have characters who then, I guess, let's say, you know, <laughs> shuffle loose the mortal coil, then come back in like these big crossovers. In a way, I really do feel that this is now going to be. Uh, uh, a little bit easier way of storytelling to then have self-contained stories that someone who maybe is coming in on the back end doesn't have to slog through so many years worth of storyline to get a good story. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I grew up reading superhero comics, so I'm a big universe comic book fan. Like, I love all that stuff. I think it's crazy. And, you know, like, talking about continuity with other fans is... Uh, you know, a buster clock. It's always a mess, but it's always kind of fun <laughs> the same way. But I think no. But I love the like. I love stories that are just really rich and interesting, and you get to be really engrossed in these characters. And they're not going to go off planet, and they're not going to interact with some random guy that you've never met before, and like you don't know because they are having a crossover event. Like it gets exhausting. It is exhausting. So this is sort of a nice way to tell a story. And it's just, um, I think they're really well done at the two darn horn, but there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we should probably get into some of these titles. I will say though, like I, I got a chance to read a few of them, but the one I really, really loved was sunflower. That one was almost a little frightening. Like there was the other book on um, which one was it? Let's say X Morse bad moon rising, which had these very cool supernatural thriller stories to them. But a story like sunflower was very unique because that's a book that as soon as I finished that, I'm like, wait, is it she too out? Is it she too out of that book? Because I think I'm already hooked on that one. It is out. It <laughs> is out. Just came out. Yeah. yeah. It came out December 2nd. So go run. They we're actually, I mean, sunflowers are a little indie hit, which is just, I mean, and Mark Maluk and Andy Ewington, who helped adapt that story to comic book form, just did an amazing job. And Lee Carter on art is knocking it out of the ballpark. I mean, every cover that comes in is just beautiful, and every interior page is kind of breathtaking. So, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of his work. So it, it's been really, it's always a thrill to get, like, the new pages in and get to read everything. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I did notice, though, is the fact that there were a couple of the titles that were adaptations. Now, were these, I guess, originally scripts that then were then adapted for comics? or Because that was something I didn't really think of until I actually read through. Like, oh, wow, some of these were actually adapted works. Yeah, they're all, uh, well, not all. Some were screenplays, like Mark Maluk and George Pelicanos and um, uh, sorry, Scott Rosenberg on Batman Rising. Part. Um, <laughs> uh, they uh, they were all screenplays first that were adapted into a comic book format, uh, but they were all from the original stories and all um, are pretty. The screenwriters for the original screenplays are very involved in these stories and the progression and how it's going to kind of play out in the final product. And that's something that's very cool because it's no secret that there's now this marriage of let's say comic book culture and Hollywood. And, you know, of course, every time you turn around, there's another book, whether it be a fairly new one or, let's say, a classic title that then gets adapted to a series. So it is really interesting then to see it the other way around where it's like, okay, this was a screenplay and probably maybe at one point considered being option, but now it's being told in this format. And that's, that's something that I think is really, really awesome. 
Yeah, I think that, um, like we were saying before, it really frees up the, the writers and gives them a chance to sort of see the culmination of their work in a really visual format that they would maybe not have the opportunity to see otherwise, because there is the great thing about comics is that there's no budget except like the imagination of the artist and the writer and what they're able to put down on paper and then proceed from there, which is just, you know, it's so freeing and so awesome. It's great. And we ultimately, I mean, what, what our model is really so much about is just getting stories out there. I mean, these guys write so many stories and they see so few of them come to life. And that's such a shame. And, you know, whether it's an author, a screenwriter, you know, a comic book writer, you know, our, our primary goal is just making sure that we bring as many to these stories as life as possible. Right. And it's so tough because uh, you hear so many stories that a filmmaker or a screenwriter has a story out and there's buzz generated. But then next thing you know, you don't hear about it for, you know, it, it, it takes a while. I guess it's almost like luck at a draw as to pose which stories get options. So this is very cool that now writers will have a place to then tell a story. And again, like I said, there's not really much in a way of having to worry about Hollywood budgets to then just get that story out there. Exactly. Is there any way you can maybe tease anything in the future? Like, are there any other collaborations that aren't necessarily on paper that you guys can maybe tease for the future projects? Yeah. I mean, one big one that we, we uh, announced at Comic-Con was uh, The Warriors. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I love that movie so much. Yeah, The Warriors is going to be a big one, I think. It's going to be really awesome. Yeah. I don't even know who owns the rights to that brand, though, but that's incredible. That's a really good get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're very, very excited about it. So we're, we're very deep in the creative process of that now. And, and the storylines that are being tossed around are very cool, very exciting. So I think it will be new and exciting, but it's definitely something that the true Warriors fans uh, will, will appreciate. Right, and it's pretty telling that uh, a cult movie has kind of endured and still has new fan bases and it's it's really endured over decades and i remember seeing that movie as a kid and i'm just kind of like ah you know it was fun it was wacky you know people dressed up like baseball players you know <laughs> beating the crap out of other gangs but then years later i'm like there's video games for this there's figures there's like this whole universe really blew up over like this one fairly budgeted movie and that's something that's pretty telling as far as our culture that you know anything that can really get blown up that way i mean shoot look at the power glove <laughs> yeah and i mean ultimately it's they're all brands at the end of the day but the warriors just i think represented such like a you know, an iconic time for New York, maybe not in the best way, you know, but it was something that took it and turned it into kind of this lighthearted situation. And, and it's, you know, not only iconic amongst people from New York, but really people from all over when they think of New York. Right. Is there a release date for that or is that still sort of tentative? Somewhat tentative, but I think we're looking at right before New York Comic Con. And then we might have something of special something at New York Comic Con itself for the Warriors. So we're still like figuring that out specifically, but it should be really cool. Okay, I'll definitely look into that though. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man, the Warriors, like, man, you're really speaking my language here. Like, what else you got? <laughs> I know, right? Um, I mean, we have other titles that are going to be really awesome. And, I mean, nothing I can, I don't, I don't want to say anything because things change, you know, every day, basically. But um, there are some titles that are definitely locked in that we're super excited about. So we'll, we'll make announcements probably coming in the new year. Mm -hmm. um, 
like officially on what those are, what yeah. those will be. Cause, uh, I don't want to upset anyone or like have things that get delayed or pushed back or anything like that. So we just want to make sure we put out the best product. And when we say we're going to put those product products out. So many things can happen and things can be delayed or maybe get switched around. The idea of not teasing it so early. <laughs> There's nothing worse than generating buzz and then finding out, oh, wait a minute, hold on, we have to switch gears a little bit. Yes, right. And I mean, I, I think that's just, it's the, the curse of publishing a little bit. Like you have to, um, you have to play the game sometimes and things have come up for us. So we're figuring that out. Um, but nothing is going to be super delayed and we're going to get things out to people, you know, <laughs> as soon as we can and try to make everybody as happy. And we, we want to put out the best property and product as possible. Like we don't want anyone to come home unhappy with what they're getting, what they're receiving. Right. But I guess we've been teasing all these ideas, but then I guess we probably should let everybody know where they can find this stuff. So I don't know if you want to throw out websites and social networking sites so that way people know exactly where to find us. Yeah, I mean, you can find us online. The best place is our website, the number 4 five onecom So 451.com, five spelled out. And then we're online, social media, all over the place at 451official. The, the thing that I would plug that I hope people are discovering, it seems like they are, we're getting a lot of traction online, is to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We've got a lot of great content out there. One of the things that we do, which I, I personally think is pretty cool, is we have a really unique take on motion comics. I know it's a highly debated topic, and we spend a lot of time crafting our approach to it. And I think true comic fans will really appreciate it because... We really try to maintain the integrity of the, the reading experience and only enhance it. And also, we basically do the story arc of our first issue for every single property completely free on YouTube as a motion comic. So it gives anybody the ability to test out the story, see if they like it. And if they do, hopefully they visit their local comic book shop or comicsology and pick up issues two, four, two, three, four, five, six. Very cool, guys. <laughs> and I'm just very excited about this now because I'm like, I'm, I guess the geek in me is starting to come out just a little bit too much. Right. Oh God. Of course it's like, okay, you throw out 70s, 80s cult films and video games at first. I'm like, all right, I, I'm pretty much sold. <laughs> yeah. Good. So there's yeah. actually something that's interesting though. Cause we did talk a little bit about the idea that these stories were originally screenplays that, maybe hadn't seen the light of day that way, but now we're being told in this medium. Now, is there any possibility of then taking these stories and then kind of working backwards to then maybe adapt them to, I guess, a live action medium at some point? Yeah, I think that's always definitely uh, a possibility. I mean, our primary goal is making sure that these are successful in themselves as books, first and foremost. For us, it's really about seeing how people react to the story. Um, so it, if you want to think of it from a film and TV perspective, it's really kind of the same way that any other publisher. You know, the reason I guess other publishers have had success within film and TV is because they've taken a story and instead of waiting and trying and sell that as a screenplay to um, a major studio or a, a TV network, they've put that story out to the people and the demand of the people is ultimately what pushed it over the edge and, and got it turned into a um you know, movie or a TV show. So what we're trying to do is get people to love our stories. That's that's the first step for us. Also, comic books are a great way to sort of test the market, quote unquote, with awesome IP. Like 
intellectual properties and new stuff, new stories, like Stephen was saying, and just seeing how successful they are. And I think for me, like, I, you know, I always go back to just telling a good story, even in comic book form, just getting it out there in its, you know, true form. Right yeah, that's the most important part. Before we go, I always like to ask this question because I know, James, we talked a little bit about it, but um, I'll pick Steven's brain a little bit. Um, What are your influences as far as comic books go? Because nine out of ten times, most creators, they do start out as fans themselves. So, Steven, what was your background? Like, what was your first exposure to this crazy world of panels and thought bubbles? So I'm a huge movie buff initially. I actually went to, to film school and was always really big into books, didn't get into comics or graphic novels until a little bit later. My first actually introduction was into uh, Why the Last Man. Oh, that's a heck of a gateway drug. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing, and I like crushed that whole series in like a week, basically, because all the books were out at that point. Um, then did all of the Sin Cities, and then I started to focus initially on a lot of the stuff that was adaptations from movies or TV, just because that's kind of what, what everybody was reading at the time. So did, um, uh, was it Road to Perdition? Um, History of Violence. Uh, History of Violence. Then I did a book called Mr. X, which I don't know if you're familiar with that. No, that one, I, I've heard of Road to Perdition in uh, History of Violence, but Mr. X, no. And this never became a feature film, but it's a really unique book from like the late 80s that has a, a really cool style. I definitely recommend checking out. Um, then I did, you know, the more modern stuff that's really popular, 100 Bullets. Um, it's great series. But I probably did, you know, almost like 150 books in, in a year, just as kind of like wow. first got really into it. And then I went back and did, then the whole 451 stuff started, got involved there. And I knew that I had to have, a, you know, a more intimate knowledge of kind of the framework of, of comics. So did the first 24 issues of Spider-Man, did Batman Long Halloween, did, um, uh, what's it called? Said, Sin City. Yeah, Sin City. I did all those. But the three Batman books I did were Long Halloween. Um, Let's see. Killing Joke, maybe? No. Um they're all in the Death in the Family? No. Nope. <laughs> I'm going to start going through all the storylines now. I'm like, okay, Death in the Family? But I'll find out. I'll, I'll have to check them out. But yeah, I mean, that's, uh, to me, I'm always into like the more like, you know, I love the style of Sintidi as, as many people do. I really tend to go for stuff that from a visual perspective is really different and has really unique uses of, of color. Um, and framing, you know, I think that stuff is just so cool. Every single page to me is a piece of art that I could hang on a wall, stand along, you know, and I think that's, that's something that's, that's so cool that if I were wherever creator, I would be inclined to try and, and, and do something, you know, really different like that. All right, guys. Well, um, I guess before we head out, I don't know if you have any sort of like a uh, personal accounts that you want to plug real quick. If anyone wants to tap with you, because I know James, you've got a tons of projects out. So I don't know if you want to touch on those a little bit. Sure. I mean, briefly, um, you know, I'm, I'm working on the committee too right now. So that'll be coming out soon from Wayward Raven. Soon ish, I should say, not soon, soon. But the first issue is still available at their website, uh, waywardraven.com. And I just finished work on a webcomic. So that should be up soon. And I might be working, I'll probably be working on another webcomic come the new year. So, always busy. 
I don't have anything to plug. Follow me, it's like pictures of my dog and stuff like that. You don't want to see that stuff. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like animal pictures, I, I'm always saying this because I don't have any pets myself, but occasionally I'll be at my friend's house and I have to snap, of course, a couple of pictures of their dogs because they're adorable. Like I'll post those on Instagram and like the likes just blow up. <laughs> so yeah. we speak a comic book to That's why I got that's why I got yeah, you know, I had to get get my followers up, so figured I'd get a dog. What better way? <laughs> it is the greatest bit of like marketing genius. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you guys so much for uh, hanging out. This has been an absolute blast, and um, hope everybody out there um, checks everything out. And if anything, we have to check back soon uh, when, of course, you have more stuff coming out and uh, see how the progress is going. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Adrian. <laughs> Anytime, thank you. And for everybody else, this will do it for Adrian Has Issues, and we will see you next issue. Get this party started up in here! Whoop, whoop. Hey, this is Mark. You're listening to this show, probably on your mobile device, whether it's iOS or Android or even Windows Mobile. <laughs> Who has one of those? Uh, but anyway, you're probably listening, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or some other wonderful mobile app that brings this amazingly awesome show to your ear holes. Yeah. But did you also know that you can find this show, among several others in this category, at the Tangent Bound Network? That's right. Go visit TangentBoundNetwork.com. Check it out where you can always get the latest episode of this and other shows quite like it. Although, admittedly, there is no show quite like this one. <laughs> <laughs>